Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1958's The Hidden Fortress, directed by Akira Kurosawa and starring Toshiro Mifune. But before we do that, we just want to remind everyone, Dudes on Demand is still going on in January. Get your requests in now. Yes, we've gotten several requests like in our social media and other places. Even on the website, we got some. Um, and you know we appreciate it. We want to have like a, a, a big bucket to choose from. And right now... Um, um, that's happening, and everybody. If your movie doesn't get selected, um, just just hang tight because we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll get stuff on the schedule. And there's always there's always you know dudes on demand next year too. Yeah, and we always get ideas from this too. And I I think we've picked several requests not during dudes on demand before yes. just because we're like we got to do that exactly. You know? They were just like, hey, that's a great idea. Yeah. So any social media, hit us up or go to dudesonmovies.com/demand and you can put a request in right there. Yes. And also, real quick, just to remind everybody, go and give us uh, a review on iTunes or something. Mm-hmm. Is it still called iTunes? Whatever it's called now. But we've had, we've seen some really cool growth lately, so let's let's pump some reviews out. You yes. know? It'll be awesome. It'll help us out a lot, and um, you know, the, the more you help us, the, the, the bigger the show can become, and we can like you know do more stuff for you, too. Yep, and we'll keep talking about what we've been watching, Dave. So yes. why don't you tell everyone, what have you been watching? Yes, um, well, I saw Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Um, you know, man. Gosh I, darn it. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I, I, you know, I really enjoy reading movie reviews, uh-huh. as you know, um, but I like to read them after I've seen the film. Yeah. And uh, the problem is that today you almost can't do that um, because even when you go on like a social media blackout, um, somehow people's negatives, opi- negative opinions, <laughs> um, they find their way to you, you know? Really? Um, come on people. Exactly. It didn't ruin or spoil anything cause I still wanted to see the movie, but I can't wait to see it. It's great. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And afterward I read a lot of stuff about how it was like historically inaccurate or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah, who cares? Dude, one of the trailers has black <laughs> Sabbath in it, like over, over footage of the war. I mean, I, I knew that we were going to, you know, be in for something that was kind of bullshit in places. Uh, and I don't, I think, I think we talked about it once before. I, I, I'm not going to pretend I care about movies getting history correct. Right. Unless it's something like dangerous or unfair, you know, yeah. I can accept it otherwise. Right. Um, it's a movie about Napoleon. Um, I'm amazed that, and I'm also amazed that Ridley can still go, you know, as he's in his eighties and he's still making ambitious movies like this. It's really impressive. I love the guy. All his movies aren't, you know, the best, right? but most of them are. So, uh, they're never boring. Yeah. Yeah. And they're always an entertaining watch either way. Yes. I can't wait to watch it, man. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you enjoyed it. Yes. I enjoyed it very much. That's awesome. I watched a movie that I quite enjoyed. It was from 1990. Uh, it's called Dark Angel. I don't know if you've heard of this. In other parts of the world, it's called I Come in Peace. I have seen I Come in Peace. And Dolph Lundgren okay, is the lead. I've seen this film, yes. He plays a, a hard-nosed cop who's after all the drug criminals, you know, in 1990. And it's <laughs> it's a cheap late eight it feels like it was made in the 80s oh it definitely which was, it was definitely yeah. filmed in the 80s yes it's a cheap 80s cop drug movie <laughs> with with like really bad choreographed karate and really bad one-liners and really bad gun shootouts uh-huh and it's awesome uh, it is and the conceit of the movie though is there's also these big weird men running around but they're aliens and they're stealing endorphins from humans to use as drugs on their home planet. <laughs> and there's a alien cop chasing these guys 
on the streets of whatever city this is. Right. And Dolph Lundgren gets in the middle of it all. It's so wonderful. It's amazing. Yes, it is. Um, I sent a video clip to my brother. I was like, look what I'm watching. And this guy's getting beat up outside a convenience store. And the alien says, like, I come in peace. And then, like, <laughs> whips out, like, a tentacle from his wrist and, like, absorbs his brain. Oh, yeah. And then it cut to a strip club where there's naked women everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even know that was coming. And I sent that clip to my brother. Like, this is what I'm watching, dude. Marvelous. <laughs> yes. Just the best. It was wonderful. Yeah. But now let's uh, change the pace, Dave, and talk about The Hidden Fortress. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Yes. Um, so this is one of Kurosawa's famed uh, period dramas uh, that document uh, the Edo period of Japanese history. And it's one of five films of this kind in which he collaborated with Toshiro Mifune. Um, this one is an adventure story in which two peasant men find themselves collateral damage in a war between rival clans. And however, what it's probably most famous for today is its influence on Star Wars. And even if you didn't know that going in, it becomes kind of impossible to disregard as you get through it. Um, and I promise we will do right by our review. Uh, we will give this movie the, the analysis it deserves. Uh, but I'm sure there will be times throughout the discussion where we'll find the temptation to bring up the parallels simply overwhelming. Um, so let's go. Yeah, because there's several parallels that are just obvious. Absolutely. And I, there's only there's w apparently one big one that George Lucas was influenced by, which is having the two lowly characters be the the brunt of the you know the thrust of the story. Yes. Even though they're not the actual story. Right. But there's a lot of other things we'll we'll mention that triggered my memory. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So we follow Tahe and Matoshichi, these two peasants. Who are living in Japan and they're on a barren battleground and they're arguing with each other, right? Yes. They're in, they're starving to death. They're just out there walking around, have no direction in life, I right. guess. So they, they thought they'd go to war to make a lot of money and become rich. And then they ended up fighting for the wrong side or some Benny Hill crap, you Dude. know, and uh, now they're mad at each other like bickering spouses. And when you try to like follow what's going on just by their arguments, it's like almost impossible to figure out like, yeah. like, what are you guys talking about? Because I mean, like, unless you have some working knowledge of, I guess, feudal Japan, um, like <laughs> you're completely lost in that moment just based on their argument. They're calling each other shitworm, Yeah. Back and forth, which is like, uh, that. that's a great insult. I love it. Exactly. Shitworm. Yes. So good. They, they, they both use it. And um, it, it's weird. Like. Tahei and, and Matashi, Matashi um, are like emblematic of so much, you know, like food scarcity and classism, you know, mm -hmm. um, and some of the horrible things they talk about doing can almost be excused because they were obviously born poor. Yeah. Um, and when someone comes from nothing and they've had to fight for everything they have, it's it's very hard to convince them to like live communally. Uh, but I mean, and no one's ever helped them. So why would they ever be the bigger person? And in this part of the of the movie, in the beginning of it, they're just going back and forth and fighting with each other because they, they blame the other one for the choices they both made. Yes. <laughs> Which is like it, the worst logic. You know? it, it is horrible. And it's actually really funny. It is. If you ask me. Yes. I find it extremely humorous. They are a, a really dynamite comedy team in places. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in most of the movie, like you are like... They, they are a great relief from the other terrible things that are happening. Right, yeah. 
And so we're, we're following them around this like barren landscape. And, you know, they're delirious. They've had no water for two days, you know, like, right. fighting with each other the whole time, probably. Dressed in like their, their tattered clothes, yeah, like, right. you know, and, and they've lost their weapons and, and anything that they can. I mean, they're, they're just, these guys have nothing. Right. And uh, what happens is all of a sudden a warrior appears in the frame. It's this big master shot of them two kind of walking and bickering. And then this guy comes up into the frame right into the foreground. Yes. His, his head. And these horses are chasing him down. And they come in and kill this dude right in front of Tahe and Matashichi. And they're like, what, okay, what's going on? Right. You know, they just left the battleground. It's been two days. But I guess this warrior has been chased. And now they've killed this guy right in front of him. And they leave those two guys just to stand there. You yes. know, they don't capture them or anything. <laughs> yes, I know. And so they they want to go search this guy's body for, like, stuff to sell. Like like you said, they have no, like, dignity or anything. Like, they oh, just, yeah. what's the next quick win we can get? Exactly. You know? They're well past, like, any kind of concern for, for you know, whatever they thought was, was part of society. It's just now they're in survival mode. Right. And the one guy doesn't want to, another guy does, and they fight and they split up and... Obviously, this is R2 and C-3PO in the desert on Tatooine, right? Yes. They're bickering, fighting. They go separate ways. And those are the characters we're supposed to be following through Star Wars, right? Right. And and these are the characters we're following through the Hidden Fortress. Yes. And and just like uh, R2 and 3PO, they are, you know, they, they occupy the lowest rung of society. Yeah. And, um, they're you know. They're droids. They're not welcome here. They, there's that. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, you know. I, they they are like you said the most obvious parallel, and especially yeah. the, the the way they're they're wandering the desert like this, or seemingly yeah right, <laughs> um, you know, and and all the 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 back and forth and the arguing and and the you know, uh, just trying to 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 get in something to get in somewhere and have someone take care of them and you know like bring them back to health is is all they're after. Yep. And they don't really get it. <laughs> no, they, they don't get it anywhere they go. And in fact, they're, you know, like, at what point are they captured? Right here, actually. This is where well, it they, is. They split up and, like, Tahe goes to some, he's trying to cross the road that's barricaded from the other army. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to sneak by him and a couple other guys he yes. ran into. And they get captured. Right. And then I think Matashichi goes to some village and there's a bounty out for the Princess y- Yuki. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, okay. uh... He's in the town, and a bunch of other prisoners are walking by, and they they round him up. Like, hey, you're coming with us. So he gets captured. Right. And then they're both forced to, like, dig for gold at the castle, and then they meet each other again. That's right, because the, the castle they're taken to is the, uh, like, the ruined castle of the previous ruling clan. Yeah. Um, that's where Princess Yuki came from. Is it the Akazuki clan? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, they... Because the Yamana... That's plan right. is the victor of the battle. Yeah, they're really. they're currently yeah. in power, and they're they're kind of like patrolling all the time. I mean, they're, they're now um, like they they have to hold on to their power, so they're they're essentially like martial law over yeah. this area of Japan, and they are they are warlike. Yeah, um, and they're ruling these peasants. Obviously, any any wrongdoing. Right, they're prisoners. Actually. Exactly, like, they they're, they're all prisoners. The the, the the normal people in the town. Yeah. they're now under our rule as prisoners. Yes, and dig for that gold. Exactly, because there's gold somewhere underneath the castle, and and yeah, they're they're forced along with with hundreds of other guys to to just dig in this you know area, and you know they're 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 not given food. They're not given any like waters or any, water or anything else. Right, it's just essentially like you know it's forced labor. 
Right. And then there's a big riot that happens like right th- this night. All the all the uh, prisoners are sleeping out in the open field here in the mm-hmm. courtyard or something. And all at the same time, they decide to ambush just the guards that are there. They r- just have a stampede yes. on them. And they're able to essentially escape. Like a lot of them get killed during this, like, I don't know, rebellion or whatever they're doing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's weird because like they seem to have kind of an advantage, even though the soldiers are armed, they're, they're going up the steps yeah. and, and the prisoners are coming down and there's just so many of it's them. A, it's a flood of people. Like, yes. If you stood your ground and tried to fire these, you know, single shot rifles at right. these guys and just stood there. You would be run over, trampled. It'd be a Black Friday death. You it, would be it, dead it, on the right. Walmart floor. Exactly. That's right. That's right. It would be a Walmart trampling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it's the guards actually run after they fire a shot. They're like, right. okay, shit, I'm out of here. Exactly. Cause I'm going to be dead. Yes, because so. like they they can't control this horde that's coming down right. the stairs, and there's stone steps too. I mean, it looks like there, yeah. there's it, it's it's. You know, just past the medieval period, and and you know we're we're, we're still like in yeah this kind of our architecture. One guy even throws like a log down the steps oh at my one God. point. It's I like know. and it looks heavy. Like it's probably a real log. This guy tossed down the steps. I mean, <laughs> yes. If you got in the way of that thing, you're dead yeah. on the movie set. Yeah, you know, um, which is like and, and man, that that kind of warfare. I know that we were pretty brutal today with what we do, but we like kind of destroy thousands of people in seconds. Yeah. With, with we'll just vaporize everyone. Exactly. You know? Um, this whole thing of like sending a log down stone steps <laughs> to like, uh, <laughs> smother your enemies. I mean, wow. That, that is, uh, um, brutal. It is. It is. If you, if you end up underneath that thing, you're getting killed four times, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yes. It's worse than a Walmart. Death. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And during all this chaos, um, our two protagonists find each other again, and <laughs> they like are huddling in a corner and like hiding, basically. Yeah. Like we're gonna die, let's die together. You they know? they like, make this because they're packed. like they're like they need each other, but they hate each other so much. And and, and they have <laughs> this great moment of just like the, the, they 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 keep saying, "Let's remain friends." Yeah, they Let's say that a lot friends. throughout the movie. You know, yeah. after they make up with each other because they realize they were jerks, they, they they kind of like, okay, that's the last time that's going to happen. Yeah. And then immediately they, they start arguing again. Oh my again. God, I know. Like something happens and uh-huh. then it's like, no, 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 we're doing this. No, I'm go- we're doing that. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens a lot of times. And I, it's so funny every time. Like it gets me every time. Yes. Um. So then this, all the chaos just stops. Like, you know, everyone ran off. Right. And I guess the guards flee. So they're there by themselves and they're sneaking around this empty castle, like this giant open courtyard and they don't know where to go. And they're like fumbling around and it's really (laughs) funny. And they finally like get through a wall or something, but like these guys don't know what they're doing at all. They're, they're victims of circumstance. Absolutely. And then like we cut to them just like sprinting. Um, away from the castle carrying stuff and you hear someone saying rice thieves get yeah. them and yep. like it's it's played for comedy but i've thought about like man if i was just stealing rice to you know ward off starvation in 1603 yeah. i mean my life is desperate just just trample me i mean exactly I'm exactly I'm, yeah. I'm done you know yeah. i can't i can't do this anymore right um so they run off they set up a camp and the great thing about the movie is like we don't even know what's really going on anymore. We're just kind of following these dudes yes. before any kind of story even happens. Right. It's it's pretty 
I think it's a great um, a setup, like a great plot framing uh, for what ultimately happens. Yes. Uh, but so they have a camp and they find the firewood's not burning and they're they're mad and they're bickering about it. You found this wood. It's your fault. You know, like that kind <laughs> yes, of crap. Right. And they throw the wood and it breaks and they hear like a big metal clang and they go and look and it's the gold from the castle has been hidden inside of all these tree branches. So then they get all excited. You know, gold is like the one thing in the world that could change their life, you know? Yeah. Uh, so now they have a scheme to go find the rest of the gold. Right. Because they... Um, they, they just find the one gold bar in the one branch and then they, they're like, well, where'd you gather the wood, you know? And then yeah. they go over and they go, oh my God, you know, and they go back and look for it. And the other branches there, it's not like, it's not an immediate, right. you know, like we got all the gold. It's not, it's all here. Right. It's like, Cause they're around like a little river. Like yes. there's a small river where the tree branches have probably been flowing down and yes. stuff. So they're tracking up that way and they get up a little bit, a little ways up and they see this guy kind of stand up on the top of the mountain and look at them and they're like oh shit and it's Toshiro Mifune everybody right right. we don't we don't know who he is in the movie yet or anything like that it's just a guy right and our two heroes here (laughs) quote-unquote heroes (laughs) are like oh no it's a a bandit let's let's go back and they they kind of try to play it play it cool and walk away yes and Toshiro Mifune is just following them casually but like He's so big and commanding. Like <laughs> his footsteps are like giant, like just stomps. I know, but he's not stomping. <laughs> he he is uh, one of the world's most talented actors, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but just as important is that he's also one of the most physically magnetic presences in yeah. all of cinema. Um, you put the camera on him, and no matter what else is happening in the frame, your eye is drawn oh, to him. Um, he's so good. He's so he's so awesome. He's so commanding, like you said. Mm-hmm. And even when he's not on screen, like he's just mentioned, like we just saw him. So the specter of Toshiro Mifune right. is there. We know he's around somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and you can't. I mean, he and in his outfit in this movie, he's wearing like a Zardoz diaper. <laughs> yes, you know, dude, he's got this onesie on. It's, it's something else. <laughs> I mean, it's probably. Like traditional to the period, you know, people wore that stuff. And Zardoz, dude. I know. And, <laughs> and so they're back at the camp and they're like, okay, I think we lost him. Like, cause he, they couldn't see him earlier and it's later at night now and they're at the fire and they think they're good. You know, we'll get the, we'll get the gold tomorrow. It'll be fine. <laughs> and then, and then Zardoz walks up <laughs> and just sits at the fire. Doesn't say a word, man. And Tahe and Matashichi are just both like, scared of them yes but they're like hey we got to take care of business you know we've got gold here we better say something and they both try to like say something assertive to them and you get this toshiro mifune look at each of them and they each just cower when he turns his head to them and it's so funny i know and and i i exactly it's hilarious and i don't blame them because i mean like i i'd like to think that i would be a little braver than this right but like if if he gave me that withering glance i'd like (laughs) I would not be like cowering like they are, but I still would be pretty scared because obviously this guy has authority. Right, yeah, you know, right. You know, yeah. He, I don't know what it is, but yeah, he's he's very confident. Yes, you know, he he. You can tell he's not a lowly peasant. Exactly. You know? Yes. There's something to this guy. Yes. They think he's just like some bandit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, you can sit by the fire. Like they start just like kissing his ass, kind of because <laughs> yes. they're afraid of him. Right. And he starts questioning them, like, hey, what are you guys doing here, you know? And 
if you said you're going to go to like Hayakawa or whatever region they it's said, Hayakawa, the, yeah. and he's like, well, why are you going this way? And he's like, well, we got to cut through Yamana first through the enemy territory and then through to Kamakawa. And he's like, oh, okay. And he starts laughing at him. Like, that's a great idea to <laughs> go into the enemy territory because they won't expect you to do that. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. um, they'd be looking elsewhere. So that it's a plan that he likes actually. Right. And ha- he has them come with him. Um, and he reveals that he knows about the gold immediately. And he's like, all right, we're going to split the gold. I know where it is. Yes. Uh, so he gets them to help him. And then they spend the next day trekking up a mountain. And he knows where he's going, right? He, <laughs> the hidden fortress is up at the top of this mountain. And right. he forces the two guys to climb this like pebbly hill that they're just slipping down constantly. And you get like, a, it's like a two or three minute sequence of them just struggling to get up the mountain and they're like kicking each other like hey let go of my leg exactly and just bickering constantly still it's really quite a performance <laughs> i know because they're, they're oh they're, it's a physical performance exactly because they have to like really hike this this slope that's just like a bunch of jagged oh, sli- man, uh, like yeah. loose rocks and they also have to do all their dialogue which is them fighting each other yeah. and like uh and not even just like you said not even fighting but like they're like slapping each other <laughs> you <Right>. know <laughs> it's like Wow, grabbing rocks from each uh, out from each other's li- yeah. under their feet and exactly. stuff, and their yes oh. ear flicks and everything else. <laughs> I mean, like it's just these guys are a couple of knuckleheads. Yeah, they'd be shooting spitballs at each other if they <laughs> yeah, had them. That's right. right, exactly. So they get to the mountain and they see the hidden fortress, and then Mifune is down in he he's General uh, Makabe, by yes. the way. That so we'll, we'll just call him Makabe from now on. But so Makabe's in the temple already. Like, what are you guys doing up there? Right, right. you know. <laughs> And I like, dude, I, he, yes. I mean, it's it's a great moment of him, like, kind of revealing that he's been down there the whole time. Yeah, and, and he's, he made them do this on purpose. Exactly, yeah. yes. Just to mess with them and, and maybe to test them as well. Yeah. Um, and I, it's also, like, I, I have in my notes here about Kurosawa. He made great use, great use of this wide shot that has like a lone character in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it twice in this film. Once when, like we're talking about here, when Makabe comes out of the fortress where we're looking down from the mountaintop. Yeah. And then later there's an inverse of this shot where we're looking up and we see Princess Yuki uh, like walking up on the ridge. Yeah, that's in my notes too. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes. Um, great reveal there. Um, that kind of composition can take days, you know, and especially back then. Yeah. Um, and it often requires a whole team to frame it correctly. And, you know, it, I know it wasn't effortless, but on the screen, that's what it looks like the result of it. Yeah. Um, this was one of the first times I think Japanese cinema used the technique too, Mm. uh, with this widescreen and the deep focus, like that really wasn't used much. And I know Kurosawa was influenced a lot by John Ford. Okay, yes. And, like, the old westerns and stuff. Yes. Um, And you can see that. and see, Like, you can see, like, the searchers in this movie, you know? I know, you're right. Like, you you're totally right. see it. It is. That, that, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, So now they, they come back down, and Makabe tells them that he's General Makabe, and they don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> and they tell him, you're not the boss. Yeah, yeah, Which you're not the boss. such a childish thing to say. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> such in character for these two guys. Exactly. You're not the boss. <laughs> and then he forces him to go to where the like the wellspring is for, for the water up here. Yep. To clean the rice. And they, they're like in his face like, no, you can't tell us what to do. And he throws them both in this little like pond and he and like, throws the rice at him. Exactly. And he like yeah. believably like picks up two guys, yeah. you know. 
And one of them is not small. You know, <laughs> no, Tahei's a lot larger. Exactly. Larger, yeah. Exactly. He's he's almost like he's not as big as Tashiro Mifune, but he's he's like a guy you couldn't pick up with one hand. Right. Yeah. The other guy's like spindly. Yeah. Tahei, he's, a, he's a little he, dude. Yeah, uh, Masachi is a little yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> he, he totally is. <laughs> And th- so then they reluctantly clean the rice and cook it. <laughs> exactly. Because what are you going to do? You can't fight this guy. No, Not these no. two shitworms. Exactly. You know? When you're a shitworm, you have to clean the rice, dude. <laughs> and this is where you see that, that shot of Yuki on the mountain yes. that you were talking about. Like, yes. They're, they, they're like cleaning the rice or cooking the rice down at the camp. And then in the distance, you see this, this young girl stand up out of nowhere and she's in like like a Superman pose almost. Yeah. Holding like a, a stitch in her hand, like hand, like a horse whip or something. Right. What a, I don't know what you call it, but. A riding crop. A riding crop. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It yes. is a riding crop. And she's holding it in her hand in the Superman pose. And they're all like, well, who's that? Oh my God. And then she disappears. You know? Right. <laughs> and the audience is like, okay, well, who's that? <laughs> I know. You know, it's somebody significant if there's this pose she's striking. Um, and you know, you, you find out of course that she is, uh, she's princess Yuki. Yep. Um, like the, the castle that, that, uh, uh, the Tahe and, and, and Matashi were, were forced to dig in. This yeah. is her family's castle. And she was the, the, the daughter of the, of the rulers who have been deposed. And, um, you know, general Makabe is leading a force that's going to, you know, put her back in power. Right. This is their base right now. It's the hidden fortress they went to when they were in trouble. Exactly. Um, but our two heroes here don't know anything. They're totally clueless. Mm-hmm. And Makabe's keeping it in the dark. He he tells them that it's some woman that he stole or something. Or yeah. She's mine now and right. you gotta leave her alone. Stuff like that. Right. And and it ultimately turns into that she's a mute and she can't talk. Um, which is a plan they come up with. Cause yeah. in the waterfall, there's a waterfall up here, and behind the waterfall is where they have like their secret council or something. Um, right. And there's like other people back here too. Uh, the actor Takashi Shimura. Yes. Yes. He's back Mm -hmm. there. I mean, he's huge. That guy's a huge actor. I know he's in the movie for like one scene almost. Yeah. Uh, He makes a cameo essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but they need to cross the enemy territory with their plan. Um, and they think the only way to get across is to make princess Yuki not talk. Right. Um, so she has to play mute. Yes, and and it's in this it's in one of these scenes where we learn that that um, Makabe's sister was tasked with posing as Princess Yuki. Yeah, and she was beheaded. And so, like, t- I think Matashi like brings that news back from right. the village and right. Tahe, and so they think the princess is dead. But Makabe, it's a great moment when they reveal this information because his whole demeanor changes. Yeah. And we don't know why. We find out in a few minutes. Yes. But it's because his sister is dead now. Right. And he gets this, like, really introspective look on his face. And the camera, like, pushes into him and gets real close to him. Mm-hmm. Like, And then that's when he walks back to where the waterfall is. And we see all this stuff. And he right. reveals this is what's happening. And we find out it's Yuki. It's the princess is here. And exa- now we know what's going on. Yes. Um. And Yuki, in these private moments, like in this council meeting, um, like it's it's kind of revealed how authoritative she is. Yeah, um, she's very much someone who is in charge, and like Makabe defers to her at every turn, yeah. as do the other nobles that are there. Um, like she is, they they go with her plans, and like she is pretty fearsome. Yeah, she's stubborn. Yes, and intimidating. She is definitely. Um, 
And she's so thoughtful. I know. Um, which I love. She grows throughout the movie as right. she sees her people more and stuff like that. I think she has uh, the best arc. It, it's definitely a great arc. Right. Um, and she even says here, like, well, why should your sister die instead of me? Like, what's different between my soul and her soul? Wow. Uh Wow, man. Are you like 80 years old right now? I know. Spouting this shit? I know. Because I mean, like you would never in a, in a story like this, like, okay, that, that person who stood in for me was, was expendable and she doesn't feel that way. Yeah. You man. know, I mean, she, and like that, that was, that was completely, I, I, I was floored by that. Yeah. They pulled a Padme Amidala, you know? They sure did. <laughs> or or someone pulled a Princess Yuki. Oh, you know? that's true. Maybe um, George Lucas copied this. Well, he definitely did. <laughs> uh, you know, because when you watch The Phantom Menace, yes, this is the other part of it. It is. Um, where, where you start to see some of the parallels here. And I mean, like a stand and fight queen slash princess who a, you know, yeah. a warrior is helping them through enemy territory. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and... She gets mad at Makabe for not even shedding a tear about his sister right. also. Right. Um and she leaves. And then we get a great shot of her on the mountain here. And um it's an awesome shot of her overlooking her kingdom, basically. Yes. And she's on this mountaintop. And then it slowly we see a we see it from her front now, and it fades in like her flag with the emblem on it, like the crescent, the crescent moon, moon yeah. and it's around her head, and yeah. she's like crying while she's looking at her kingdom, and the the music is swelling. <sighs> it's so good because it happens right after this intense emotional right. spout that she has. It's so expressive because it's like it's very theatrical and very um, cinematic. I mean, mm-hmm. like because the, the the shadow of the flag on her face, where you can still see her whole face. Um, and she's right in the middle of the frame, and then the flag surrounds her, but is also like, uh, you still see the whole flag yeah, too. Right, man, it's it's really well composed, and it's just and her, I I, I don't want it to be used all the time by other filmmakers, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm glad that it's like you know it was here because this is like something brand new, and it you know? felt right yeah. in this scene. Like it, it could come off as sappy or yeah, something, sure. not used appropriately. Um, the actress is Misa Uhara. Yes. And she was an unknown, I think, at right. the time. Like, they just found her, like, after looking at, like, hundreds of actresses. Yes. Like, they, like, just found this girl and was like, that's her. Right. We have to have that's her. That's the princess, right. And she gives a phenomenal performance. And I looked her up, too, and she didn't do a lot after this, even. Like, no. she just retired from acting right away. I mean, yeah. like, she gave this one great performance, and that was that. Yes, yeah, she was you just know? done. Yep. You know, good. I'm right. going to move on with my life. Sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> you missed out on all that money. Oh, exactly. Tahe yeah. and Matashi are going to be pissed off at you. <laughs> That's right. Because those guys, probably, all their priorities are in order. And like the, the whole time, they're also talking about turning her in and Dude. stuff. Like once they know she's the princess. Yeah, and I mean, even before they know her, I they're just, like, maybe we can find the princess and turn her in and get money. Well, you know, I'm like, glad you brought this idiots. up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because like this is when like... I, I mean, they're, we, we talked about how they're, in general, a pretty good comedic pairing. Yeah. You know? And they are. They always are. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of like, I don't call them the heart of the movie because that's, that's actually the princess. But right. Like, as the movie goes on, they become less and less sympathetic. Um, yeah. In, in my eyes, anyway. Um, and what you said right there about, about like, turning, turning her in, there's yeah. a part where I'm pretty sure they plot to sexually assault her while she's yes. sleeping. Yes. Um, I lost a lot of respect for them at that yes. moment. Yes. Um, and I already had started to right. Um, and it's fine. Um, you don't have to like them. No, 
um, you can just like laugh at their antics up until that point. Yeah, you know, and the the sexual assault scene, like, I'm so happy how it resolved. Of course, because the other woman comes and protects Yuki yes. with that giant rock. Yes, and is like about to bash them on the head, <laughs> yes. and they're they're like, once again cowering oh my from God. everything. I know exactly, I, and I know I'm always talking about like actors uh, who who play idiots and how I, I like kind of admire them for being courageous. Yes. You know. Um, but I still think it needs to be said that like these two guys, um, like uh, Minoru Chiaki and uh, Kamatari Fujiwara, um, they are really doing something special here with these two characters. You know? Yeah. Um, because if I had to share the screen with someone as dynamic and fearsome as Toshiro <laughs> Mifune, um, I'd personally be very insecure. Yeah. Uh, they, they're not, though. They, they don't care. They, they whimper. They slap fight. They do everything <laughs> they can to be cowardly and dishonorable. And like they really pull it off. Yeah, they 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 have to look this pathetic. Exactly. And they pull it off. They do. Uh the 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 uh the violation of the princess notwithstanding obviously. But but no. the whole thing is that they they show that to show you how how disgusting they are and like how, how desperate they are exactly, too. Exactly. Yes. Um cuz they never get close to actually doing it and I think that the princess probably would have kicked them down the mountain oh, if they tried to think. Oh, as soon as she thing. got touched, they'd be dead. Exactly. Because yes. there's a scene earlier when they're they I think they're going to try to do the same thing to her earlier, but yeah. they don't spell it out like they do later. Yes. They're just following her. Right. So you don't know for sure what's going to happen. But it's when they, th- it's when they think she's a mute or yeah. when they first, are when they learned. first encounter her kind of, yes, yeah, like exactly. And she's just kind of walking away casually and like flicking baby trees in their faces <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> she's thwarting every move they make by just like flicking them in the eyeball with uh-huh. a stick. And like, <laughs> dude, once again, it's great physical comedy from these guys. <laughs> And she's so good too. She's so magnetic on the screen, like Mafune. She is. is, and she just like turns around and looks at him and stands her ground. And they both like oh, they stop. <laughs> like oh no, <laughs> and then she like waves a tree at him. <laughs> it's God. so good. It's great. But these shit worms they are trying to assault people. Exactly. And you know, like, jeez. <laughs> And, and the whole thing of, like, trying to sell out Makabe and the princess, even though they've already gotten away from the situation still alive, it comes later. Yeah. You know, like, they're kind of escaping with their, their whatever they had intact. Yeah. But they still actually try and, you know, like, it's like, guys. So dumb. I mean, come on. Come on, people. Yes. Um, So so now they have to make their journey, right? Right. So um, she, Princess Yuki agrees to be a mute, which is actually really, that's another good scene because... Uh, Makabe says she's not going to go for it. Yeah. So he starts to do reverse psychology on it. And she immediately is like, you know, I don't like your attempt to do reverse psychology on me, <laughs> but I will do the plan. Uh-huh. So if you need me to say anything now, I'm not saying anything. So I just, I love that, that, um, I guess capitulation where she's gonna go along with it, but she wants um like Makabe to know I'm on to you. Yeah, and y- your plan is I guess pretty good, but I don't like it. I'm gonna go with it because it's gonna work, but I want you to know right. that that you know. And it reveals so much about Yuki yeah. and how smart she is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, so they pack up the gold and on some horses and Makabe and Yuki and. Tahe and Matashi go off on their adventure, you know? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and they come to... Um, um, where do they go? They go down to a river, and uh, Makabe goes to scope it out. There's, like, a bridge that goes into the village or something. And 
our two little shitworms here decide <laughs> while he's gone, we're going to steal the horses. What? God. Oh, my God. And this might be my favorite moment of comedy from them. They they need to tell Yuki that they need to take the horses for water, and then they're going to sneak away. Right. But they think because she's mute, she's also deaf. Yes. Because to be mute, you have to be deaf. Which is not correct. And I, it, it's definitely not correct. And, and and there's some other people later in the film who also make the same mistake. Yeah. You know? So they are like pantomiming what a horse would do, like while it's drinking water yes. at the river. Oh, and dear. they are both making the biggest asses of themselves. Exactly. It's so funny. This is probably the most, this is some of the most brilliant like borscht belt comedy yeah. that these two guys pull off here. This little like pantomime horse thing. And they're both like slapping each other. Like, no, not like that. And then they do it. And it's just even stupider exactly yes. <laughs> it's like imagine like a, a hacky version of like impersonating a horse and then the, the one guy claims that the other guy isn't doing it right and he does it even worse you know <laughs> and there's a moment where yuki like cracks a smile like these guys are idiots like like she yeah. almost can't withstand it like yeah. like she, she wants to keep up the ruse but but even she is in stitches over these guys and they're idiocy and and she can hear them obviously right? right so she knows what's happening and she lets them take the horse down to the river and she follows them <laughs> to fuck with them i think and then she she like she never wavers she never thinks that these guys are going to get over on her and she lets them think that they have mm-hmm. and then she kind of thwarts them at every turn through pretty much like no effort on her part yeah it's just she knows they're going to screw up bad on their own, so she lets it happen, and then lets them kind of, and then she just like deals, lets them kind of deal with each other with the fallout of it. Yeah, because they're going to get on each other without her even intervening. Right, and that's exactly what Makabe does with them too. Like yeah. right after this, because uh, he comes back and sees that they were trying to take the horses or something. Yes, and he's like, "Get out of here! Like, go, you guys, take the gold and go or something. You take this bit of gold and you're and you and you're out of here." Right. So they're like, okay, cool. And they, they start going. And because they're idiots, they attracted the attention of the guards already. And Makabe knows they're coming. Yeah. And he knows that if he sends these two idiots up this road a little bit, they're going to come running back begging for mercy. And he'll have them wrapped around his finger. And it takes him about two minutes for that to happen. Yep. And they come back and they're like, boss, boss, where are you? Yeah. They're calling him boss now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... They're like, can't find him. And they he's like right next to the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like standing right there. I was not expecting that reveal. When, when they when they pan yeah. over and you see him standing there with the princess, just like, <laughs> like out of waiting. frame. Exactly. Yeah. Just like almost looking at his watch. Like finally. I exactly. <laughs> it's so good, man. man. It's so cool. And then now, now they're like, they're like, okay, well, f- do whatever you say. Let's go. <laughs> these two guys man and like it's weird because like that little whether whether it was the gold the the amount of gold that like uh, makabe gave them or even if it was like one bar of gold it would change their life completely it totally would but they're so focused on having it all um they're so greedy they even talk like yuki and makabe talk to each other like well we can rely on their greed to get them to do what we want them to do yes um, and it, it just governs every move they make, you know, like, like everything in life is about getting all this gold. I know. Right. You know, when, Come on. if you just like, this is a crappy plan too, but it's better than anything they came up with, which is essentially just take one bar of gold, tell them, Hey, look, we're, we're frightened of this adventure and we're going to run away. 
Yeah. That's it. Right. You know, okay, you're, you're gone. Um, and I know that like Makabe and the princess actually kind of need them as like cover, yeah. you know, for, for their, for their, uh, movement through enemy territory. Yeah. So they couldn't let that happen. But I mean, like if you just made that proposal, maybe the Makabe and the princess would at least respect you a little more. Yeah. I guess know? they don't trust them 100%. I guess not. They, yeah. they've, they've seen kind of how they act. That's true. And where they lie and right. what they will do. They are foolish. So they know um, if we reveal exactly who we are, right. they're going to do something very wrong and it <laughs> might true. bite us in the ass. That's right. Um, so <laughs> so now they go back to the hidden fortress because they can't cross because right. the guards are onto them now. Right. And they get halfway up there and they see smoke billowing out of the hidden fortress and they realize, oh, crap. The enemy has come and, mm-hmm. like, burned the place down. We yes. can't go back there. It's not safe. Right. So then they have to turn around. And, you know, uh, I think we skipped over it a little bit, but, like, when we first went into the Hidden Fortress um, where uh, Makabe brought them in, um, you, when, he, when he lets them in the building and they're saying, no, this isn't the place, you're, you know, and you're not the general and all that stuff, yeah. they're, they're walking through the actual passageway that's within the fortress. Cause that's the whole point of this thing. Yeah. The reason like Maccabi was able to be in that spot while they were going up the mountain was because like what's behind the fortress is a long tunnel. Um, mm-hmm. that you, it's like a safe place. You know, if, if the enemy doesn't know that the, if, if the enemy chases you up that mountain, they go in there, they're, you're going to disappear and they won't know where you are. Right. Exactly. You know, it's a great like hiding spot. And during that scene, you get a lot of great laughing from Mifune. Oof, like, man. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, man. And it's great. echoing through yes. the caves. Great, like, theatrical, you <laughs> yeah. know, booming laughter. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> basically you know. taunting the two guys. Exactly, you know, like. yes. <laughs> and, you know, too, whenever he laughs, like, there was a close-up of him, one of them, where, like, I got a sense of his beard. Um, like, Toshiro Mifune's facial hair. Yeah. Just like Daniel Day-Lewis, his beard starts under his eyelids. <laughs> There's so much hair there, like like just an incredible thicket yeah. of black hair. He's got like eight mustaches worth up yes, here. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, the mustache is so thick, you know, like, and, and the eyebrows are um, also like- They're also mustaches. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's got like a full Keith Hernandez on yeah, over does, both dude. eyelids. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. He's, he's definitely got a great look in this film. He is. I mean, he always has a great look. Exactly. But the yes. way they have him, uh, the makeup, the hair in this costume here, yes. is just, it's so good. Right. It, it's it's just, it's very commanding because he he already, no matter what he's in, he, you know, like I said earlier, you you know, your eye, you, your eye goes to him. But in this movie in particular where, and I'm also reminded every time I see him about how I, Alternative casting always fascinates me, and mm-hmm. when I know that that he was uh, the studio's choice to play Mr. Miyagi right. in the Karate Kid, I mean, like, I love Pat Morita, and it's an iconic performance, obviously. But I still would like it. I I think about what the movie would have been like if this dude. You know how much yeah. we hate Daniel. <laughs> like, imagine like, I I mean, imagine <laughs> Daniel like like talking sass to this dude. You know, and. Yeah. It's it's a total contrast to Miyagi. Miyagi's so diminutive. <laughs> exactly. Yes. This guy's this guy's huge. Yes. This, man. this guy's a giant. And like, imagine the cobras just like 
just crapping themselves when they saw because i mean the whole point of miyagi is that like you don't expect him to be the baddest dude right and he's so you know. small and peaceful exactly like, yeah you don't expect that right so if this guy came like if this guy jumped over the fence and like tackled dutch during the, the right the, yeah after the dance i mean like oh my god you know they, they wouldn't have come back right. after daniel kicks bobby in the groin for, he, no kids ever <laughs> you're done <laughs> exactly that's it tommy's right. arm would have been ripped off <sighs> yeah he wouldn't have so. been the flag man the next day. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm actually glad they didn't cast him. Right. Because it. Now, when you think about it, now it doesn't suit the character that we've gotten from that movie. Exactly. It might have been a different character that worked. Yeah. But. But yeah, looking back, just piecing him in, it wouldn't have worked. Exactly. Yeah. They, they wanted him because he was a name, essentially. Yeah. It was and a it name. just it was like not what what they had in mind. Well, so heck, yeah, everyone wants would want Mafune in their film. I man. mean, it, it, he he's um. Like, I mean, when I said he was like the most, one of the most magnetic presences in cinema, I mean, that wasn't, you know, he is. Even, even at the time this movie was made in the late fifties, he was already that. Exactly. He was a huge movie star. He had already made his mark. Yes. Um, so yeah, now, now they have to go back to the town because the, they can't go back to the hidden fortress, right? Mm -hmm. And the plan to cross now is, uh, Makabe is going to show the guard, look at the gold we found here. Let us in. You know, we got to, we got to tell the general or whatever. Right. So they let them in and he, he goes up to the like five officers that are sitting there. Like, look, we found this, you know, uh, we need to report it like playing it down. Like, Hey, we're yeah, just peasants. Exactly. We want to help you guys. Yes. You know, we need to capture the princess. Yes. <laughs> we need to find the gold. <laughs> um, so he, he gives it to them and they're like, okay, good. And then, to like get out of the situation they're in and all the questions and stuff, he starts getting irate. Like, hey, I want a reward for this. Hey, you can't just take it. I need a reward. Mm-hmm. You know, acting like Tahe and Mata- Matashi. Right, <laughs> like, right. <clears throat> excuse me. And the, the the guards are like, get the fuck out of here, man. Shut up. And they like force him to leave. It's kind of amazing though their their reaction because like yeah they they regard this guy this this. This guy who obviously is is like someone big, you know, and, and they they think that because of the way he's carrying on that he's like these other these other idiots, and yeah. and their reaction to him is that oh oh it's just some it's just some two idiots it's just a bunch of idiots it's just like, a greedy peasant exactly we we, we don't we, we can completely disregard him no problem you know yep and the plan works exactly they, they force him to leave yeah. and then the five guys are all standing there laughing <laughs> right man, what an idiot uh, yeah and they all sit down synchronized at the same time yes. which is really great yes pretty cool and then another guard like comes in to report like what's happening at the hidden fortress and reveals like hey there's these guys and this girl and some horses and keep your eyes out for them and then they realize oh crap that was them <laughs> <laughs> and they're already gone the people who we just let in yeah are, right yeah uh-huh <laughs> yep and then um, this is where we uh, like they they're in this town. Yes, and um, they they end up like they it, it's a pretty good plan on on part of Makabe because like the the uh, Mahe, uh, Tahe and 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 Matashi they're like where are we going to put all this gold because they're they're carrying the the the, bol- the gold on their backs it looks like just a bunch of kindling right they've got um, some horses but they're also carrying a lot yes. of it. And so he just says, well, just put it down right here. Just hide it in plain sight, essentially. Yeah. Uh, because no one's going to mess with it if they think it's just firewood. He says, hide a stone among stones, a man among men. There it is. Exactly. Yep. Very good. Yep. Um, and they end up going to this uh, this place. I, I don't know if it's a brothel um, because I only see one, you know, sex worker there. Yeah. 
Um, but there's, it's a bunch of men. Um, and I think at least more than one of them are pimps. They're, they're like there to yeah. buy women. Um, but there's only one that's for sale in the moment. And yeah. the princess goes in there first. And after, after everything is settled, she essentially like gets Makabe to like liberate this woman. Yes. Yeah. And like the, the, the one pimp starts, you know, saying really sexist things about her, you know? Um, yeah. And it's really ugly. And it's also, I, I know that it's put there to, to show you the, you know, the obviously the ugliness of, of, you know, poverty and what it can lead right. to. Right. And the print, the princess is witnessing it for exactly. now. Yes. She hasn't before yes. been stuck in a castle, you know? And she keeps up the facade of being like a deaf mute. She, she's just mm-hmm. standing there like observing everything. And, like when when the when the one pimp like who was trying to sell the the one lady like looks at her and is like oh no her let let's try to sell her yeah and instead of like running in terror she just stands there and stares at them the way she stared at at uh, Tahei and Matashi yeah. yeah and like um I mean she knows that she's got backup but even if she didn't have Makabe back there she would still be this way because she knows like she's eventually gonna get over on these guys right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite a scene. And then I think Makabe comes in and says, Hey, she's a mute, you know? Right. Um, you, and the guy's like, well, I don't want her now. Yeah. Which is, um, I, what you want her to talk to you. Is it, that why you're it, buying her? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty it, sure. It, exactly. Yes. Yes. But um, still you get, they get out of the jam. Exactly. Um, and then another guy wants to buy his horse because it's, it's a really fine horse. Right. And everyone has been saying it throughout the movie. And he's like, yeah, that should not be a pack horse. I will buy it five silver. Yes. And to keep up his facade, he sells his prized horse, you know? Right. To this dude for because five silver. A, a peasant man would do that. Yes. You know? Like, oh, I'll get another horse. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah, they're they're in this city and things aren't going as smoothly as they should be. Sure. Right. Right. Now they don't have the horse to carry the rest of this stuff. Um, and then Yuki takes Makabe to the side and talks to him actually now and it's like you need to go and buy her the the credits have her as farmer's daughter yes so we'll call we can call her that yes um, um the actress's name is is toshiko higuchi mm-hmm. yeah she's really good too right um so he forces her to buy the farmer's daughter and um he tells her well your kindness is going to be your downfall you know and it's it's amazing because it, it's it's like it mirrors the the scene earlier where she expressed sympathy for um, yeah uh, Makabe's sister. sister right and to to tell her to tell her you know your kindness is going to be your downfall I mean um, what we want yeah. in a ruler is kindness right exactly you know and she yells he says that and she yells buy her back yes and she says you want to make my heart mute too. Dude. Dude, exactly. what? Oh man, you know. Okay, her name is Yuki Shakespeare. <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly, dude. She, she is, is a poet, right? She is great, man. And I mean, can you imagine? Okay, so like t- today in America, we we um, at the end of someone's presidency, uh, there's a series of of presidential pardons that happen. You know, um, ah. they 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 set free all of their their criminal cohorts. You know, <laughs> Donald Trump did it with you know all the people, all the assholes who got him elected. Yep. Everyone's um, out now. Exactly. Um, Rematch. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Imagine, like, okay, so they have that kind of power. Any day they could walk into any prison uh-huh. and get and let people out, and they just simply choose not to. Yeah. Can you imagine a leader 
who would like on their first day in office would like walk into San Quentin and go, well, everybody here is um, like, oh, those guys are recording a podcast. Look at that. <laughs> Ear hustle. What's that? Uh, really? They, 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 and everybody is like, you know, becoming productive members of society, even though they're, they're got a life sentence. Well, why do we have them in here? Let's, let's, let's figure out some work release program and let them out. She took one look at this woman's plight and said, I'm taking her. That's it. Yep. And, and when her advisors did tell her, uh, right. I don't think so. She was like, uh, no, we're doing this. Right. You know, this is the right thing to do. I do right by people. Yeah. You so, know, so he takes the silver, which five silver was what the cost for the girl was. So mm-hmm. he takes the five silver he got for the horse and goes and buys her. Right. And we don't know that till the next scene when they're actually hauling a cart of the wood in the morning. Yeah. Like, out of the village because they don't have the horse anymore. Right. And Tahe and Matashi are pulling it like they're pulling the yoke of this wagon they're like now we're the horse now we're the horse i i lol big time at that line it's so it was funny, great man. yeah and they're they're crying and whining about it and bickering we're now the horse <laughs> which is so perfect for them they're, because that's how they view themselves course, like yeah. and they that's how they act. So how perfect is it that they're like, "Well, now we're just an, an animal." Exactly. We are literally a pack animal. <laughs> that's how like, bad we are. Exactly. Society thinks that this is all we can do. And and you know <laughs> I love it. Oh, Cuz the camera's great. like up close in their faces yes. and they're just they're so expressive. It's <laughs> it's wonderful, man. Right. But the farmer's daughter is with them now, and she's pushing the cart, too. And she's ever grateful to right. Yuki for this. Right. And throughout the rest of the movie, she is so protective of her and doesn't leave her side. I, or I guess she does sometimes, but like she will die for her. And this is another parallel um, like to, to the Star Wars thing, because like, you know, uh, the life debt. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's oh, one yeah, of these yeah, things. She's that, a Jar Jar Binks, exa- I guess. Yes. And a, or a oh. Chewbacca. You know, Chewie owes his life to Han. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that Um, shit. And like, and and this is like the real thing. What if you owed your life to your best friend? That would suck. Well, okay. (laughs) That's the, that's the whole point of it though. Is that like, like this, I I used to think when I, when of, of like the stuff in star Wars that like, that that's not real. That, that there, no one, no one would ever make such a deal. Like, yeah. oh, you saved my life. Now I have to follow you around and do whatever you say for the rest of my life because that's my, that's your payment. Like, I thought that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> but like, with with Yuki and the farmer's daughter, I totally buy it. Like, yeah, but she was, Yuki isn't forcing her to do it. Either. I guess Han isn't forcing Chewie to be there. No, it he is, never does that. It's voluntary. He does boss him around a bit. Yeah, yeah. But Qui-Gon definitely pushes Jar Jar around. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to abuse this Gungan as hard as I can. (laughs) Have you seen the uh, Alien 3 poster with Jar Jar on it? Yes, I have. (laughs) It's it's really good. Yes. (laughs) Um, So now some horses come by because now they know these people have gotten through. So the horses come down the road and our two shitworms get scared (laughs) because there's horses coming. And Makabe is trying to drill it in their head. Just act normal. Right. You idiot. Right. And the horses come by and stop and say, hey, we're looking for these people on horses. If you see them, report them. And they ride off. And then uh, everyone like sighs of relief. Right. And then the horses come back and they're like, wait a minute. (laughs) 
finally some smart guards here. I know. Yeah. I mean, like, I was really <laughs> taken aback because it was like they, they they rode off and I was like, and they immediately turned around like, well, hang on a second. I mean, like, yeah. it, it's the exact same description except they're not on horses. And you they know? don't even confront them. They kind of step down. They're like, hey, they start asking questions. And immediately, there's three of them. Right. Makabe pulls out his sword and kills one of them right, right away. Doesn't even say a word. And then starts fighting the other two. And they get on the horseback and ride off. And Makabe jumps on the horse and chases them. This is quite a sequence here um, because, like, I looked really closely and I'm pretty sure it's Tashira Mifune on this horse the entire time. It's him. It is. Okay. So all this, this is impressive stuff. It's him, work. no hands, with a sword. Wow. Going, what, 30 miles an hour? Yes. It's fast stuff. Yeah. And I mean, and and the other actors too, of course, on their horses. I mean, like, they're, they're taking Tashiro's attack. And yeah. they're... They're staying on their horses until they're not. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, wow. I mean, I, I can't believe like anybody. I mean, I know that now Tom Cruise does all his own stunts. Right. Yeah. But it's, too, it's <laughs> he does it to be impressive. Yeah. Um, like Tashiro Mifune was just doing it because like he's an actor, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like. Well, and they wanted the shot of him because the. The shot was super technically challenging too, yes. apparently, because it's a big pan from left to right, right, and they're going full speed. They had to like also like dolly it in and out to make it like stay in focus and in center and stuff. Like, and what conveyance were they even using for this camera? I mean, yeah. it couldn't have been someone pulling it because these horses are flying. I think it was a guy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So I mean, they wanted that close shot of his face as he crossed and panned across the camera. Like, yeah, that's him, dude. Wow. Um. And I, I love it. He's taking, he takes down both guys on horseback. Right. And then it might be my favorite moment in the movie when he comes to this encampment. Yes. And he sees um, this other general. Uh, Tadakoro? Tadakoro, yeah. Yeah. And they know each other because, you know, they're famous generals. Right. And they're on from the other armies. So nice. they know each uh -huh. other. Yep. So Tadakoro tells his men like, hey, this is General Makabe, like, don't even try to fight him. You're no match. You're no match for him. And and like yeah. uh, like sixty armed guys just start backing away from yeah. Tashiro Mifune. Dude, rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> and then Makabe challenges him to a spear fight. Right. And uh, they he accepts it. Tadakoro accepts it and says, you know, you can choose any spear you want. It's not as good as this, but they're good. You know, because <laughs> he's got his prized spear with yes. him. Yes. Yes. And Mifune gets off the horse and starts just like stomping around. And tr he tries three different spears. He's like bending them and yeah. like spinning them. Like, oh, this one sucks. And he throws it back. And, like, <laughs> yes. Finally gets a spear that's acceptable. <laughs> and then they square off in the middle. They're surrounded by like 60 armed guards. Right. And there's um, like these cloth banners and stuff everywhere. Yeah. The, like uh, tents. Kind right. Of, like, the Yamanas. Like, yeah. Uh, right. Like their symbol on them. Uh -huh. um, and they square off. They don't really do anything for like several minutes. I know. It's just them kind of like circling real slow and like being very calculated. And every time they do like a, a slight little feint with the spear, all the guards like step back. <laughs> yes. Every guard. And you hear their armor like clatter. Right. It's something else. I love it. Great sound design. I know. Because yeah. it picks up all of those like th that clatter and the, the, the metal on metal and the um, and also like the the rip of all those banners as they start oh, yeah. like, you know, spearing through them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, cause I mean like that, that's kind of the next part of the fight is after the warm up of where they're just circling around, they, yeah. they, they start to like go at each other, but they're behind these banners. And so they have to like kind of, uh, 
you know, slice through them. Yeah, they cut through them and come at each other. Right. And then it ends, I guess the third act of the battle is them, <laughs> like, really close together, like, spinning the yeah. spears around. Right, and, like, right. swinging at each other and poking and dodging. And it's really good. It's cool. It's good choreography. It's not like watching Phantom Menace, you know? You're not fighting Darth Maul here. Well, exactly. But yes, it's yes. 1958, and this is impressive. Even today, this fight is impressive. I know. It's very good. And and I, I like the, the way uh, Makabe wins in the end by, like, just he destroys uh, Tadakoro's spear. Yeah. You know, because, like, Tadakoro does this thrust, he misses, and, like, uh, Makabe just sort of kicks it in half. You yeah, know? he does, like, a Makiri counter or something yeah, ex- on him. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> he, like, steps on it and it snaps. Yeah, yeah. And then um, he admits defeat. He throws his other half down and kneels, basically, right. and says, I, you, I admit defeat. You win. And he did, and he does this, like, kind of in the presence of his men. Yeah. You know. He's and, being honorable about his defeat. Exactly. And Makabe spares his life, which... Apparently is not what you're supposed to do. That's yes. not the code of conduct in these situations. The rules of engagement suggest that you are supposed to finish the job. Yes. And and Tadakoro holds this against him and like Makabe knows it and he kind of taunts him as he le- not not exactly taunting him but he's like smiling as he, he leaves. He says we will meet again. Yes. Yeah, and he leaves. He rides away on the horse. Right. Um and, and goes back to the the group. Um and Tadakoro is just left there. Right. And he feels we find out later like he he was ashamed. Uh, all his men saw him defeated right. and he wasn't killed like he should have been. Because he had to live with which it. Which is a worse fate than exactly. death. I mean, he's now like in front of all, like if, if, if it happened in front of his men and he was killed, then he could die with honor. Yeah. But if he has to just sit there and like kind of live through the, the indignity of losing this duel, then that's too much for him. Right. Yeah. So now they, they've escaped once again and there's like a rainstorm. And they're huddled up against, like, a mountainside. And this is where we've talked about the sexual assault was going to happen. Yes. Um, the, the two guys want to take some gold and leave. And Mifune says, take it. I'm going to get a bucket for the rest of the gold. So he leaves. And it's just the three of them up there now. These two right. shitworms and Yuki, who's sleeping. And uh, and is is the farmer's daughter there? She is out getting like rice or oh, something that's right. she's in the village. Food. Yes. So she's down there too. Yes. Um, and so they come up with their plan. They draw straws to see who has to leave for a few minutes. Um, and fortunately at this moment, the farmer's daughter shows back up. Right. And fucking stops them. She like slaps them, grabs a big rock and is going to smash their heads with it. Yes. And she, he, she stops the situation. And you want thankfully. for all the world to, for her to like actually bring oh, these dudes with, with these, with this rock. Dude, Cause I it's wanted like, them to get a drive. I, exact, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's ex- what I wanted. Dude, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, they just sit there cowering comedically for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, you know, it's, and it's just like the, I, I, you know, that the, that it's, it's not going to happen, but, but the fact that it's even in here, you're just like, oh, come on. And you're, right. you're waiting for, for how the, how is the princess going to get out of this? But I mean, like I, I referenced earlier, I think we talked about that, yo, she would have just, you know, like, obviously, you know, like it got, wouldn't have worked. Exactly. No. She would have like, you know, I'm sure she's trained in some martial arts course, and stuff you know. too. She's been trained to fight. Right. She's a fighter herself. I think they mentioned earlier, she was even trained and like raised as a boy. Yes. So I'm I'm sure that they trained her to fight. Yeah, she would have rinsed these dudes. <laughs> They'd be so 
so dead. Exactly. Dude. I would have loved to see that happen. Actually, I, I mean, but the the rock would have been great, <laughs> but like, but this would also would have been amazing too. Just just watching her like actually like tear these guys asunder. Right. That would have been good. Yes. And uh, while they're doing this, there's a, uh, a a bunch of noise happening, and there's a bunch of you can hear people moving through the street. It's a big procession that all these people are going to a fire festival, mm-hmm. and they're all carrying wood. And going to this place where they're going to burn all this wood, make a huge bonfire and like sing and dance and celebrate life and stuff like that. Um, so they decide to go join the procession. Uh, the two guys. Yes. And Yuki goes with them. Right. I guess because she's fascinated with it. Right. We've, we've already seen that she's been very interested in what's happening with the normal people. Yes. In her kingdom. Right. She, she wants to see like she wants to see real life. Yeah. So she she goes with them. And they bring the cart of wood and everything, like yep. with the gold. Um, <laughs> and so, like, they have to go with them up to the fire <laughs> with the gold. And, and like, it's it's a really well choreographed sequence with mm-hmm. with like all the people at the fire festival doing this like try doing this like dance and yeah. and they're singing this song. And the I I forget now. Um, does Makabe agree to put the put the put the wood in the fire? Or, he makes them. He makes them do because it. Okay. they're looking suspicious again because right. yes. they're a bunch of idiots. Yes, and uh, the guards are like coming for him, and he's like, "Burn it!" And right. He just grabs the cart and makes them throw it into the fire because everybody at the festival like sees them with this with their cord of wood, and they're like, "Hey, put it on the fire." Yeah, that's, that's, that's why you brought it, it. exactly. <laughs> and these two, you know, idiots are just like, "Oh, I don't know." And yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I really love uh, like this part with with Yuki at the fire festival yeah. too. Um, I like her body language during it. Yeah. Um, Me too. I mean, it's so different from the rest is. of the film. It she is. seems relaxed, dude. Uh, and she still got that fearsome like look in her yeah. eye, you know, because that's just who she is. But like, we obviously um, her movements and demeanor suggest that she's not only in on a secret, which is her identity, but she's really starting to understand the culture. Yeah. You know? She's even she's dancing here, yes. like with the crowd and and singing yes. and everything. So the song they sing is about, um, I guess it's about life in a way. They say the life of a man throw it in the fire, a life of an insect throw it in the fire. Um, it's all about like the value of life. Yes. And so it, it's quite suiting, you know, to right. what Yuki is learning. Right. Um, and so like the fire festival, it doesn't last very long, but you see these moments real quickly. And, yes. Uh, you do hear everyone singing this, and it, it, it fades to like the next morning. There's a lot of wipes and fades in this movie, which uh, reminded me of Star Wars. Also, uh, you know, it, it's you know? it's just exactly what George Lucas used. Yeah, like the exact style, the mm-hmm. the the cross wipe. Yeah, um, yeah, it's look. Um, <laughs> I, I, I Lucas was not the first filmmaker or the first artist in any medium whose work was compared unfavorably. To one of its influences. You yeah, know? right. Um, it happens. And to be honest, I've seen far worse plagiarism, you know, um, from other filmmakers. Some Tar- Tarantino stuff is like just lifted whole cloth. It's not even it's, an it's homage. It's the same scene. Exactly. Like shot for shot. Yeah. Um, but like the the wipes, I'm just like, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, could you maybe... Calm down, ex- George Lucas. Exactly. Just, just do it a little differently, you know? And I know he was going for like, like Saturday morning cereal, you yeah, know? Yeah. But... Uh, and they had the wipes and stuff too. It was a technique used since the dawn of cinema, yes. really. So it's not. I guess you could argue he's not aping it, 
But he's aping it. I know because it's like, <laughs> he's aping it hard. Because it just you're right, exactly. Because because I mean it had, it had existed before Kurosawa, but like that he's that he took the framework of the of the characters from yeah. from Kurosawa, and then he's doing exactly the same flourishes. The first fifteen minutes of this movie is the beginning of Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, it, it once is. once you know it's there, you can't unsee it. You can't. Um, <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it is. Um. It's just a really weird theft. <laughs> I almost said homage. It's yeah, a theft. It's a theft, right? <laughs> but so they wake up the next morning and the fire is now ashes. Everyone's yeah. gone. And they're digging through the ashes to find the melted gold. Um, and it's not just um, Tahe or Matashi who's doing right, it. Right. Like, Makabe's like digging, like they're all trying to get some of the gold out. Exactly. Um, Cause like a lot of the gold would have survived. And it was probably Makabe who was like, you idiots, it melted. It's still there. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> it just, just, it does, the fire's not going to destroy it. You yeah. Know? Just, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so like they're getting this gold and right away, like the guards are on their trail again. Like they're coming through the woods and uh-huh. they, they can hear them. They know they're coming. Makabe's like, quit digging. Let's go. <sighs> We've and got they, enough. We've, we've, we've right, retrieved we enough, enough. Yes. And they, they, they get what they can and they all run through the woods and escape. And like, these guards are real close. Like you can see them <laughs> yes. from where, where they're standing. Yes. <laughs> so they get a ways into the woods and then these two little idiots say, I'm going back. I'm going back. I couldn't believe it. I, I know. Couldn't right. Believe it. These two jackasses, <sighs> like they go back for more gold and they're doing this thing <laughs> when they're in the, the fire pit, like digging it's, it's, it looks like when your dog is like really onto something. Yeah. Like, it's right. just like really yeah. fast with oh, their there's paws. something here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> and so like two guards like come up to him they're like what are you doing? And they both kind of like stop and like act like oh, oh nothing. Right. And they kind of just walk back into the woods real slow. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they start running as fast as they can. <laughs> and the guards obviously chase them right back to where the princess is. <laughs> Thanks a lot guys. Exactly. I know. I mean and and like the the whole point obviously of not telling uh Tahei and Matashi that, that that Yuki is the princess was so that they wouldn't give the game away. Right. But he still they they still led these soldiers right to her. Right. Whether they know it's her or not. Yep. And they run back screaming boss again. Oh my you god. You know, because exactly. they're helpless. They blow up Makabe's spot too. I know, right? And Makabe disarms both guards immediately. Because why would without he? even like killing them or he just yeah. takes their he swords just out of their hands. Their stuff from yeah, them. <laughs> it's like, amazing. And he he's like, all right, if you want to live, you have to carry this stuff. So he gets these guards <laughs> to carry their fucking gold. Now the guards are the horses. It's <laughs> <Right>? amazing. <laughs> yep, oh, man. So they walk aways with the gold and stuff. They get away from that instance, but they come to a field right and. They're all dead tired from hiking this mountain with gold on their backs. Mm-hmm. And they're camped out and it's the middle of the night and the guards are finally like getting close. And they get close again and the guards who are imprisoned by Makabe hear them and they like flee, like yelling for help. Right. And the guards in the woods don't know who it is and they kill them. They shoot them. <laughs> both of these guards. So... Now they're in a sticky situation. They're trapped behind like this log that is fall- like a fallen tree. Right. And they have nowhere to go. Um, <laughs> Tahe and Matashi decide to flee on their own because they're just scared little babies. <laughs> and they run off 
And it, when they're about to leave, uh, Yuki says farewell. Yes. Yes. And they both look at each other like, did you say something? Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. They, they, they just, don't realize it's her. I know. But they think someone else, they think one of the other said it. Uh-huh. And that they haven't picked up yet. Like what's what all this is and why did they know about the gold? Um, why are they so unlike the two of us? Um, yeah. Like, why is she onto us at every turn? If she can't hear what we're saying, you know, I mean, but they're, I guess because they're this dense. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's how it is. And, and now they run off. They're gone. Right. And the farmer's daughter now says, well, Maccabi says, I'm going to run, make a distraction. And you guys run that way. And the farmer's daughter jumps up immediately and like, no, I'm running. And she runs out into the field to get shot at so that they can flee. Yes. And Maccabi's not happy about that. Neither is Yuki. And she runs out and she does get shot. And she falls down. And Maccabi runs out and rescues her. Right. And brings her back, carrying her back to where he and Yuki are. And I love this part of it because it's like he's now he's now learning from Yuki, you know, what it's like. Right. That... that yeah, maybe it's not the most um, brilliant move tactically for their situation, but it's a human life. It's the kindness we've been talking about. Exactly. It goes back to when his sister sacrificed her life for Yuki. Yes. Was it, what's the difference? Is her soul any more important than Yuki's soul? Right. Is the farmer's daughter's soul any more important than Yuki's? And I mean, Yuki, her most trusted advisor, is emulating her now, and uh, it couldn't be better for her. Right. Yep. And they're back behind this log now. And the farmer's daughter is saying, I'm not worth it. Go without me. I'm not worth it. And the the three of them together get up and flee. Yep. Makabe is carrying her. She is worth it. Her life is just as valuable. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, and she, yeah, Makabe just won't hear it because yeah. like, you know, he, he's, or he's learned that lesson. Right. You know, and they flee. Um, and they do get away from this attack on them. But they get up to a top of a mountain and they think they're kind of in the clear and they start to go down the other side and then the army's coming up from that side. Right. And they get captured. Right. The three of them. Like it's the first time you see Toshiro Mifune get scared. Yeah. He like jumps back. He, you know? um, he, there's no way out of this one now. He pretty much just like, yeah, yeah. crosses his hands and says, you know, essentially like, like kind of inviting the yeah, cops. Yeah, he surrenders. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what a bummer too. Cause we, you see uh the, the other kingdom there in yes. the, the distance and you're like okay that's it you right know? nope right not not so fast uh yeah and, and tahe and matashi decided to go leave to to rat on them to say i know where they are that is just and they go to this town and no one believes them because who would believe these guys i mean like <laughs> th- this is the i mean <laughs> This is what you get. <laughs> exactly. Like like them trying to violate the princess earlier was pretty bad. I mean, that that's about as low as you can get. Uh-huh. But this, when they were actually going to like, you know, like I said earlier, they're, they're golden. They're, they're, they've escaped. Right. That they're not in this dangerous adventure anymore. And that still wasn't good enough for them. They still want to get that gold and they're willing to sell out all three of their friends. To get the reward. Yes. I think you get 10 gold pieces for it. Uh, it's or three even for I mean, information. What whatever exactly yeah. it was for information. And then they yeah. would fight over who gets the third. Oh know? my gosh! Oh my god! Because that that that's also a running thing. Yeah. Uh, did we reference <laughs> it earlier? I can't remember. But like every time they're they're in possession of the gold, one says essentially like it's all mine. Yeah. Right. And I mean like, 
And then when they don't have it, they agree, we'll split it 50-50. Yes. But then whoever gets their hands on it first is like, well, I found it. It's mine. It just, it, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. children. It's amazing because, like, <laughs> it's the best lesson a movie can teach you is that, like, money will just corrupt your soul immediately yeah. the yeah, second you definitely. have your hands on it. <laughs> and so they're laughed out of town, basically, and they have to just leave back, back wandering around again. Right, right. And then we catch up where... With uh, with the other three people have just been captured. They're in, I guess it's where they crossed before or something. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I, a different. It looks guard like this, post. Yeah, it looks kind of the same fortress as the one that they that they. I'm sure got they all look the, kind of similar. Yeah, but, um, right. But they're tied up in this prison, and everyone wants to get a look at Princess Yuki. You know, all these guards, and then Tadokoro shows up and it says, "I'm here to identify them." Yes, and he walks in, and we get this awesome scene with the four of them. Um. And Tadakoro reveals that he's like got a scar on his face now. Right. Makabe's like, what happened? And he reveals, hey, because of you, you didn't respect my honor and kill me in battle like you're supposed to. Now my master has beaten me because he's ashamed of me and all this stuff. Now I have to live with this scar on my face for the rest of my life to, to tell everyone how much of a failure I am. Yes. And that's your fault. So he's not in a good mood right. to see these guys right, <laughs> right off the bat. Um, and then, so it's on the left. The The way it's framed is wonderful because it's like kind of a, a shot of all four of them, right? And it's split evenly. Like everyone is like a quarter of a way through the frame. So they're all four like equally in a position. It's really interesting. Yes. And you've got like... The farmer's daughter is all the way to the left, and then Yuki's in the middle, or the middle left, and then Makabe's on the middle right, and then on the far right, like but like in the foreground is Totokoro. Yeah, you're you're right. That that is a weird, uh, a weirdly mathematical shot yeah. because yeah, he does take up the same amount of space even though he's in the foreground. It's Wes Anderson like in a way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tadokoro is facing the three of them, and the three of them are facing the camera. So it's really interesting. Right. Uh, so, like, the th- those, those three are all on the same side looking at us, and Tadokoro's facing away from us. Yes. And he, because he's, like, the enemy. Right. You know? And in another amazing show of gratitude and respect, Farmer's Daughter yells out, I'm the princess, I'm the princess. And... Uh, Yuki immediately shuts that shit down, though. <laughs> She's like, she says, stop it. You've done enough. I want to die with dignity. Yes. I'm the princess. I appreciate your loyalty. I love it. I, I yeah. love that part where she, like, thanked her for, for like, you know, trying to be noble like that. Yeah. And trying to, you know, for her gallantry. But, you know, listen, I'm going to, they, they've got me. You right. Know, that's it. And she proceeds by saying, like, I would have never seen the world without this. Because I think Makabe apologizes, yes. too, for failing. Yes. And she says, I would have never seen the world without this. Thank you. Like, I, I loved it all. The, the happiness, even the ugliness that I've seen. Because uh, now she's experienced life for the first time. God, what a character. Yeah, man. man. Fuck, the arc yeah, she has I is know. so good, man. So cool. Princess Yuki is just one of the best characters I've ever seen. Now I die without regret. Wow. And then, in an unbroken shot, with this frame still here, no one's moving even. She sings the song from the Fire Festival in its entirety. Yes. Um, and then fades to black. It's probably a two, three, four minute scene. Yes. I didn't count, but right. 
It's something wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and I it know. fades out to the next day. Yeah. That's how they end it. Um, and then from here, it's it's like uh, they're, they're, they're going to to execute, you know, the prisoners, obviously. Right. Um, and at, at some point, like like on the, the death march, um, they, they, they're going to like wheel them into the probably... Yeah, they're you know, riding horses. They're tied up. They're going to take them, yes, probably, I guess, wherever they do the executions. Exactly. Yeah. Which is probably like in the middle of the city, you know, it so will, that everyone Yes, it see. will probably be in front of everyone. Yes. Even, even like some of the nobles from the other clan are probably yes. going to be there. Yeah. Because like they had already been um, shamed because of the, the ruse yeah. previous, you know. Oh, yeah. So now we have, we actually have the princess, everybody. And, you know, this and, is what... And her know. great general. Exactly. They're, yes. They're done for. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as they're about to march away... Uh, Tato Koro is there, like bidding them farewell to their doom, you know. And as they're walking away, he starts to sing the the fire festival song. Yes, because it uh, affected him when Yuki sang it to him about uh, how precious life is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and he fucking defects to the other side, and he starts fighting his own men and releases the prisoners. It's, it's one hell of a turn. It's awesome. Yes. You don't see it coming. No, you don't. But I feel like it is earned. Oh, completely. I, I think it's totally earned. And I understand it, too, because, like, uh, of the whole thing with the shame of, like, having to, like, live with the uh, with the scar and, and everyone knowing that you, you know, it, at least mm-hmm. in this time that, like, you have to... If you lost a fight, that was, like, a, a fate worse than death if you lived through it. Yeah. Well, he's got nothing to lose. I, I, and he also believes in Princess Yuki's cause. Like, like he he listened yeah. to what she said when they when she was imprisoned earlier, and it her words uh, softened him. We we've been talking about kindness a lot in this. My note in bold says he defects because of her and Makabe's kindness. Yes, that's why. And then she says, um, "Don't die in vain. Come with us." And so they ride off. They get, they escape, and they're up on the mountain. They see where they need to go. Right. right? And they're looking down into the valley, and they see the other horses that had the gold. They're all running free with yes. the gold now down yes. in the valley, and they're all laughing and stuff. And and they're heading like right toward Hayakawa. Yeah, you know? dude. Um, so they're gonna be the, all the gold because what they want to use the gold for is to kind of rebuild their society. Yeah, you know? they they want to you know like build infrastructure and help people. You know. Um, and, yep. Especially you know? now at post war. Yes. Definitely need it. Yes. Um. So then we we catch up with. Tahe and Matashi again, desperate, alone, hungry, nothing to their name. I think they're laying there half dead and they're talking to each other like, hey, let's be friends still when we get back to the village. I know. I you know, know. We face death together. We should still be friends. I, I lo- And I love that thing. <laughs> Are we going to be friends? Well, let's remain friends. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then at one point, like, like Tahe has this great moment. It's probably my favorite moment of his in the movie where he, he's sitting like crisscross applesauce. Yeah. And then he just like, lets his, lets his torso like flop to the ground. (laughs) It's, it's weird. It's like, you almost can't even do it. It's like, I couldn't do it. It But he's still got his legs crossed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's very bendy. I mean, good Lord. It's like Dulcim, this dude, you know? (laughs) Yes, dude. It's a nice move. Right. And... (laughs) But it doesn't last, this this whole friendship doesn't last very no. long because the horses with the gold show up. <laughs> and they immediately do the thing we talked about They revert earlier. right back. Like where they, they, they try to like, they both have dibs on all the gold and they're going to fight each other. One guy it. grabs a horse and the other guy grabs 
two horses. Yes. Yes. And they're like, well, you, we said 50-50. No, I found them. These are mine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's all mine because I, I, you know. What the f- And it's it's 30 seconds after they just had this moment together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. They, they never learn. I think they'll still be friends, though. <laughs> yes. They probably will. <laughs> Because oddly enough, like it does feel like they like need each other, you know. They like well, thrive yeah. off each other. Yeah, of course. Because like the, the I feel like they don't have other people to rely on. They probably don't have family. I mean, I don't think they mention it. And I don't think that they really have it in them to like kill each other either. No, like, probably like not. even if they're They'll threatening, just smack each other three exactly. stooges style. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. They'll. they'll <laughs> um, and in the end, they'll they'll make up because that's just how they you know right. Um, but then like eventually like the the. They're they're falling upon by, yeah, by soldiers. Some guards show up exactly, <laughs> and and they they take the gold from them, and they're eventually brought before um, the princess. Her her kingdom has been reestablished. Yeah, they you get know. arrested and they're brought to like a court. Yes, you know, and they're down on their knees. They're kneeling in front of, and it's Yuki all dressed up as a princess now. She's not just in her plain clothes. Yes. And Makabe's in his samurai armor and stuff and looking fucking good. Yes, man. dude, I know. And they got that great crescent moon, um, like oh, part of yeah, that mask. samurai helmet yeah, has that so crescent cool. on it. Yeah. Oh, really good. And Tadakoro's standing there too in some samurai gear. Like right. he is now one of her great generals. Exactly, yeah. Um and the two shitworms don't even recognize them. <laughs> <I know. laughs> No. Because they're dressed up and yeah. like, and you know, and all their samurai finery, and they're such idiots too. Like they, they don't even know, right? <laughs> and and they they don't even know that the that Yuki they they just see her in the middle and they're like, well, why is she in these you know like flowing robes? You know, they don't even realize it's someone of high importance, right? They're like, well, who's that? What? Why is she wearing that? Right? Yeah. Like, so hey you know. guys, it's us. You know. <laughs> um, and because of what you've done for us, we're gonna give you one piece of gold. Right. And. She says to him, split it fairly, <laughs> which is like, and you know, <laughs> why don't you just give them two halves? Okay. Well, that's that, that they, they could have done that. Yeah. I, I, but I think it's, it's to teach them a lesson. Maybe it is. Um, because if she gives them one bar of gold, now this one bar of gold is going to change their life. Yeah. Like they now will have a place to stay. Um, they'll have food to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can, you know, like sustain themselves with this as long as they're smart about it. Um, yeah. but they have to share it and let's see if they can actually share. Right. And amazingly outside the city walls, like are walking down the stairs and their whole demeanor changes. Yeah. Um, they're even trying to like p- put the gold on each other. He tries to hand it to Matashi and he's yes. like, here, you keep it. And then, uh, Matashi's like, ah, oh, no, you keep it. Right, right. And then he kind of, Tai puts it back in his coat, but not like greedily. No. He just holds it. Yeah. And they both like kind of laugh and like grab, like hug on the shoulders yes. and stuff. And they walk out of the frame. Because they, they know that their fortune has been made, um, that it, they got everything they wanted. It just, it wasn't quite as extravagant as they, as they had hoped. Yeah. But like they, they seem satisfied. They've actually learned a lesson. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that. They actually changed their tune with the gold here. Like, and one of them wasn't trying to keep it. I was kind of shocked. I guess because their lives have been spared. Um, they yeah. made it through this conflict and they, they see that the people who they were with were always on the side of right. Yeah. Like maybe it all just kind of crystallizes for them. In that yeah. Moment, maybe they you know? realize like, oh, we, we were making a difference. Yes. We've been ripping on them hard this whole time. Yeah. 
But we've also been talking a lot about how every life is important. Even theirs is. <laughs> right, right. And they did serve a great purpose here, whether they realized it or not. Right. You know? That's true. Yeah. Um, and maybe they do realize that once they get that gold in their hand. I don't know. I mean, you know, like, well, that's... And, and the princess does acknowledge, you know, like, like the reason she's giving them this this gold is because, like, she didn't want to see them go empty-handed because they, they did contribute to her being, you know, like, right. now on the throne again. Yeah. Um, like, they, they were part of their cover story. Yeah. And they served a purpose. Yeah. And so I, she's compensating them for it, which yeah. is nice. And I think it's a great ending. Yes. You know, they, they walk out of the frame and then fades out, you know, and that's the end of the movie. Yes. Uh, pretty good. I would have liked to see what happened to the farmer's daughter, like if she was there, like... In, in the princess's court or something. You know? I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I choose to believe that that was what She's probably there somewhere. Exactly. She's yeah. now got a, a, a post on the council. Yeah, know? yeah. Which is great because she's from the normal citizens. Exactly. You know? She could be a very trusted advisor because she knows how things work. Oh, yeah. And you can trust her because she was going to risk her life for you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You saw it. Yep. You lived it. Right. <laughs> right. Oh man, dude! So that's the movie, right? Anything else, Dave? Um, I guess just the 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 rest of the Star Wars crap. Um, oh yeah, you know, like th- th- <laughs> if you just go like go, go on YouTube or whatever and just like put in Hidden Fortress versus Star Wars. Oh yeah, and y- you get to see these great mashups that people have done of like you know sequences and shots that are like uh, very similar, uh-huh. and um, you know, like so- some of them are are kind of. Not exact, but like, and they're even a little bit questionable, like the like stuff that they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't think that when Maccabi chases down those soldiers on horseback, it, it it's not quite, people have have like said it's, it's like the speeder chase on Endor. Oh, I think Endor. it's kind of like it. Really? A you couple think, of the okay. shots are kind of like it. It's okay. not the whole thing. That's yes. for sure. Exactly. But. Um, and the duel between Maccabi and Tadakoro is like compared to Obi-Wan and Vader. Yeah, I know. can see that. Um, and then the last scene in which uh, uh, Tahe and Matashi are given their gold, the shot of the princess flanked by her top advisors feels like the metal scene at the end of Star Wars. Yeah, right. You it know. does. Yeah. Um, oh, and the brothel was compared to the most Icely Cantina. I guess in a way. Yeah. I mean, maybe. it is a wretched hive of yeah, scum and villain. It is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, yeah. Um, and I mean, look, it's... I think that if if you hadn't if we hadn't told you that like the Hidden Fortress has been compared to Star Wars so much, there, there's a chance, an outside chance that like if you had just seen it without without that knowledge, that you might not have picked up on it. You might not, right? Um, if you're a Star Wars fan though, yeah, and you've seen it a bunch, you probably would. It would probably happen like halfway through the movie. Like, wait a second. If you've seen you know, Star Wars a couple times, maybe yes. like you might not, right? But um, yeah, and uh, I would say everyone check out. All of Kurosawa's stuff. Right. It's all fantastic. And uh, even all the stuff with Mifune, even if he's not in it, like, it's awesome. Like, right. Even some of the early stuff. Like, there's a film called Stray Dog with Mifune in it. Mm. It's, he's a cop in Tokyo. And it's got some really excellent tension in it. Yes. It's awesome. I think I talked about it once yes, on the did. show. Yes, you did. You did. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, Dave, would you recommend the movie? Absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah, this is an excellent film. And like you said, all, all of Kurosawa's stuff, you know, check it all out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 100% recommend. Five stars. Uh, like and subscribe to Kurosawa. <laughs> it's so good, man. You can't go wrong with this movie. Yes. I love it so much. And it's so fun. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, highly recommended from the dudes. 
Um, and that wraps things up. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Rate it and review it. Most of all, share it. Gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And you can go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yep, and we're on Facebook, Blue Sky, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right. And Dave, we have a question of the week. What's that? Uh, the question of the week. What are the best foreign films that influenced or inspired an American version? It's a good one. Hit us up. And also hit us up for Dudes on Demand. Remember, social media, any way you can get in touch with us, uh, dudesonmovies.com slash demand. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you want to hear. Yes. And stay tuned next week for our Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. 1946's It's a Wonderful Life, directed by Frank Capra and starring James Stewart and Donna Reed. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. And I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time.